All right. Hey, Recovery House of Worship. Uh, it is such a joy to be back here. Um, I think I mentioned this last time, and I say this at every occasion that I can, that I am such a big fan of this church as well as the church planning movement that you have going on here at Recovery House of Worship. You are absolutely one of my favorite churches uh, in the world. Now, I say that at every church I preach at. The, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but seriously, I have such great admiration and affection for you all. Uh, we have learned a great deal um, from you all, as well as from Pastor Edwin, as well as the pastors here. Um, we've actually started a gathering of different church planters and pastors throughout New York City, and we have a roster of about 20 to 40 pastors from all over the city. And the last gathering that we had, Pastor Edwin, as well as Pastor Ray, came and they spoke about the story of what's happening here. And people were absolutely mesmerized. And so I just want you to know that the contribution that you're making, not only here in Brooklyn, but all over the city, as well as I think all over the world, is really astounding. So thank you so much for having me. It is such a great joy. I'm as, uh, a big fan of Pastor Edwin as well, as well as all your staff and the people here. Um, so as, as, as uh, many of you know, we've actually been in a series called The Ghost. And you've been looking at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, as a sign of the ways God works, in, in the church that I lead now, Hope Church Midtown in Midtown Manhattan, we've actually also started a series in the Holy Spirit called Naturally Supernatural. And so we've been talking about um, this ministry of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. And uh, today I'm just going to continue on in this series that you guys have already been going through. And we're going to look at several different scriptures throughout the story of the Bible that talk about who this Holy Spirit or this Holy Ghost is is, and I think it's going to actually meet us in a very powerful way. So first, if we can put up that first slide that I want to show you, uh, the title of today's message is Believe and Receive, but we'll go to the next slide where we talk about, now there's this doctrine called the doctrine of the Trinity. Can I hear you say Trinity? Trinity. Wow, that was very strong. Uh, the, the, the Trinity is this doctrine that, uh, is that we believe in one God, so Christianity is actually an extension of Judaism, which is a monotheistic religion, which is this belief that there's one God, where during that time in the ancient Near East, many people believed that there were many different types of gods. And yet here comes the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who says, no, 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 there's one God. And yet throughout kind of Christian history, what we learn is that there's one God, and yet there are three persons within this one Godhead. Now, mathematically, that doesn't make sense. There's one God and three persons. How in the world does that make sense? Well, if all of us can recognize that there's a higher power who is God, who we, there are things about this God who is so different than us, of course, there are things that we'll never fully, truly understand. Now, that's the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, of course, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, which you guys have been talking about over the past few weeks. Uh, now, this is a mystery, that there are these three persons of God, and yet it's one God. Now, I know for me that the word holy and the word spirit or the word ghost, they kind of wig me out a little bit. Because oftentimes this word holy, when I think of the word holy, I think of like people of the cloth or people who, right, like these things that are just so pure and different that I have no business being around. Well, actually, the word holy simply means different or set apart. And, of course, God is someone who is different or set apart. Now, the word spirit, let me hear you say spirit. spirit. Now, in the Hebrew, the word for spirit is the word ruach. Can I hear you say ruach? ruach. Yeah, turn to your neighbor. And, no, don't do that. Uh, that's the Hebrew word for spirit. Now, there's also a Greek word for spirit, and it's the word pneuma. Can I hear you say pneuma? pneuma. 
Now, both the word ruach and pneuma are both words that literally mean spirit or wind or breath. Now, now what that reveals to us is this, is just like the wind, which we may not be able to fully understand, but we can feel its effects. We may not be able to see where it's moving, but yet we know it's present with us. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is this manifestation of who God is in our world, where we get to experience who God is through the Holy Spirit. That Christianity is not just a religion to be understood with the mind, but it's supposed to affect our hearts, and we're supposed to experience it in a deeply personal way. Now, we're going to look at several different scriptures about who is this Holy Spirit and what does he do. Now, here we go. We're going to start from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, which is the book of beginnings. Now, check out. Here's what we're going to do as we read the scripture. I'm going to invite you all, if you could stand with me if we, as we read this passage together. We're going to see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, at the very beginning of the Bible, you've got this verse. Here it goes. Hovering over now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Amen. You may be seated. Now, here at the very beginning, at the very beginning of the Bible, there's this scene, right, where the earth is formless and void. There's absolutely nothing except God that exists. And now, as he begins to talk about what is happening in the beginning, there's this Spirit this wind, this breath, this holy being that is hovering over the expanse. Now, if you know anything about the story in the book of Genesis, after this moment where this spirit is hovering over, what ends up happening? The entire universe, the earth, the moon, the stars, the animals, the sea, every single human being, every single living thing is created by this spirit that hovers over. Isn't that cool? Now, here's the thing. The Spirit then, from the very beginning of Scripture, you know that as it hovers over, wherever the Spirit shows up, whenever the listener would learn about this Spirit, they would be like, oh, wow, something's about to go down. Because <laughs> guess what? This Spirit that hovers over is about to, just with a word, create the entire universe, the stars, the sky, and everything in it. Now, check this out, though. The Spirit doesn't only show up at the beginning, but it shows up time and time again throughout the Bible. Check out what happens. Go to the next slide. See, there's a story of a man named Gideon. Can I hear you say Gideon? Gideon. Now, Gideon's this character in the Old Testament who's actually known to be this wimpish figure who no one in the world thought that God could use this guy. In fact, he is so scared as God is about to call him to, to, to lead the armies of Israel against the Abyssalites. He is so scared that he actually tests God. And God actually passes the test, of course, right? And Gideon, who's this wimpish guy who's trying to get out of all of his responsibilities, there comes this moment where says, God says, no, 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 I'm going to use you. And so Gideon, at one time, he has this army of about 32,000 people. And God whittles it down to 300. And God ends up using Gideon to lead a, an army of 300 to beat the world powers during that time. Now, he, how does Gideon do it? He's this wimpish, like, weak figure. You know what I mean? Like, and here's what happens. It says, coming upon 
Then the Spirit of the Lord, there's that word again, this Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that hovered over the waters and created the entire universe. This Spirit now, what does it do? It comes upon Gideon. Oh, yeah. And look at what happens. And he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abyssalites to follow him. Now, if you know the story, what Gideon does is he leads a small band of 300 into conquest. See, but this, this would happen time and time again because the spirit that was once hover, hovering over specific people throughout Scripture, the spirit would come upon them. So, for instance, there's a guy named Samson. Let me hear you say Samson. Samson. Go to the next slide. There's a story of Samson against the Philistines, and look what it says. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. So the same spirit that would create the entire universe, the entire cosmos, would come upon people like Gideon and would come upon people like Samson. And Samson, the ropes on his arms became like charred flax and the bindings dropped from his hands. And of course, Samson, who's now empowered by the Holy Ghost, goes gangbusters, right? I mean, this is a cool story, isn't it? Now, Now, the thing is, there are specific characters throughout the Bible where this would happen. We're the same spirit that created the entire universe. Can you imagine just the, the power and the potential of this spirit? That wherever it shows up, something's about to go down. And so, so in Gideon, in Samson, in David, time and time again, the spirit would come upon specific people. Now, so anyone who was listening, they would be longing for this spirit to come down. It, it's kind of like, uh, if you guys, if, if yeah, the superhero movies, there's always a theme song that goes with that. Now, do any of you guys remember the old school Superman with Christopher Reeve, the, the, the song, the theme song that would come whenever Christopher Reeve would, would be there, or Superman, not Christopher Reeve, he was Superman. Uh, do, do you remember the theme song? Anyone remember the, the theme song from Superman? Okay, that w- wasn't very good. That, sorry, that... Uh, that didn't go the way, yeah, it didn't go the way I thought it would, but, but it's like, right? I think that's the one. Am I the only one that watched this when I was, all right, well, now, you, you got to understand, so, so like when this theme music would come on, right? I mean, I remember watching as a kid, and every time I would hear this, the music was coming on, I'd be like, get to the edge of my seat. I'm like, something's about to go down, <laughs> right? Like Superman's coming on the scene. Now, now, that's the same anticipation that people would have whenever the Spirit of God would show up. Whenever the Holy Ghost would come, it was kind of like this theme music. It was like, oh, something's about to go down. Let's get on the edge of our seats, Now, here's the thing, though. The people of Israel, in the story of Scripture, they would undergo massive oppression. They would be a people that would be enslaved. They would be a people under conquest. They would suffer poverty, separation from land, being refugees, being exiled from their homes and from their families. And and so, but yet, there was this longing then that God would show up in their midst, in the midst of their suffering. And so the prophets throughout Scripture would tell of a day in the book of Joel. Check out what happens. In the book of Joel, there comes this prophetic word that comes to the people who are under massive oppression. And the word that would come to the people of Israel is this. 
And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on some people, on the pastors and the worship leaders, on the piano. Oh, wait, wait, yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. I, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Now, now you've got to understand, so there was this longing within the people who were oppressed that the spirit would show up not only amongst the chosen people that God would come upon, but that it would fill all of us. Now, here's the thing, though, right? Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus comes on the scene, and what you notice when Jesus comes on the scene, who's the Son of God, go to the next slide. In Luke 1.35, Luke 3.22, Luke 4, all of these different passages would talk about how Jesus was actually empowered and lived by the Spirit. Now, Jesus, to echo the words of the prophet, would give these words. Go to the next slide in John chapter 14. He says, but you know the spirit, this breath, this wind, which created the entire cosmos, which came upon specific individuals to empower them to do the impossible. This spirit, he lives with you, and he will be in you. Isn't this beautiful? Jesus comes and he basically says, this spirit, the same spirit that's empowered me to do great miracles. He says, and you will see greater things than these after I depart. And of course, in the book of Acts, what would happen? Go to the next slide. In the book of Acts, after Jesus dies and resurrects from the grave, he ends up empowering the people and sending his spirit, which you guys have talked about over the past few weeks. And look at what happened. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sit sitting. Some of them, especially the ones on the guitar, uh, some of them, especially the ones on the keyboard, some of them, especially the ones on the mic. No, 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 no. Check out what happens. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now, isn't this interesting? You go from hovering over to coming upon to now every single person being filled. Now, so much so that the Apostle Paul would write this in 1 Corinthians. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Now, here's the thing, this idea of temples. Before, whenever temples were built, the idea was, hey, you see that temple over there that's built? That's where the gods dwell. That's where God dwells. That's why the temples were named after the temple of Zeus, the temple of Artemis. It's because there was this belief that in this, in this kind of uh, building, that's where God dwelt. But here's what Paul's saying. Guess what? Each of you. Every single one of us, inside of each one of us, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're talking about the same spirit that created the entire cosmos, that created the moon, the stars, and everything in the universe, that created every single animal there is on the planet the same spirit that came upon Gideon, the same spirit that came upon Samson, the same spirit that came upon David, this spirit actually lives in us. Are you crazy? Are you kidding me? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a temple. Some of you said that more boisterously than others. Very good. Now, now isn't this amazing? The same spirit 
I mean, just think about that powerful energy. Think about the impossible situations in your life right now. Some of you are going through financial worries. Some of you are going through relational issues. Some of you, there are things in your family that you feel like is absolutely impossible. Some of you are going through health crises. And here's the idea. There is a spirit of God who can do the impossible who can even, in Ephesians, it says this spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And this same spirit can live in each one of us. Can you imagine if we actually started to believe that? That there was a spirit whose potential that could create the entire universe, could do anything, even the impossible. The Mets are in first place, y'all. I mean, it, I, the Holy Spirit is alive. You know what I'm saying? Holy Spirit is alive. I mean, come on now. God can do anything. Now, 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 but here, here's the thing, though. Well, okay, so wait, what happened then? Because you, you went from hovering over to coming upon only select people to now being available to everyone. How in the world did this happen? Where in the world do we get this spirit? Because most of us in our own lives, we have this idea that, oh, the spirit only comes over certain people. Where, how in the world do I receive the spirit? What changed from this idea that it was once hovering over to coming upon select people to now being available to me in the here and now? What's the difference? You see, scripture teaches there is a way that we receive the spirit. You see, there's this passage in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 27, this is what it says. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus hanging on a cross, saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vigor, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. But look at what happens. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up. His spirit. Give up his spirit. You see, the way that we receive the spirit is that Jesus gives up his. And when Jesus is hanging on a cross, See, the longing of anyone who's going through any kind of impossible situation, the longing was that God would show up. See, and the way, the way that we would be able to receive this life-giving, powerful spirit is because Jesus would give up his for you and for me. See, Scripture teaches, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, 
that we might be able to experience the fullness and the resurrection and the power of the Spirit in each of our lives. And he says, I'm making it available to all because I gave up my spirit. When I was a kid, uh, I have a twin brother, and my twin brother, he's totally good looking. And uh, anyhow, he, uh, he lives in Washington, D.C., and, and when we were growing up, now one of the things about us is we're identical twins, and yet my brother, uh, his vision wasn't as good as mine. And so his grades started to suffer a little bit because he, had, he was sitting in the back and he couldn't see what was on the screen. And you, so meanwhile, my mom was always comparing us, like, wait a minute, like, Drew sees just fine, he's doing well, but, my, you know, like, what's wrong with Peter here? Finally, Peter's like, listen, I can't see, Mom. You know, you got to understand, my mom is, like, her vision is, like, absolutely perfect. It's even better than perfect. Like, she could look at that wall and see, like, bacteria, you know, like she's like microscopic. So, so you got to understand my mom, my, my mom, my brother goes to my mom, mom, I can't see. And my mom says, it's because your eyes are so small. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I, I, I can say it because my family, that's what my mom would say. We're like, we inherited, we inherited this. And so, so my, so, so Peter, no, 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 you got to, I just can't see. And so finally, like, my mom would give him, like, this unofficial test. She'd be like, hey, what am I holding up? And my brother would be like, I can't see it. And so my mom was, like, absolutely mortified. And so she ended up taking him to the optometrist for him to take a test, an eye test. And so as my brother's going, he notices that my mom is like very emotional and starting to tear up. And my, my brother is like, oh man, feeling guilty, but he's also feeling glad, like finally mom believes me. I'm gonna be able to get glasses. And so as you're sitting in the doctor's office and then it, the test gets confirmed that he actually does have bad vision. And at this point, my mom is just weeping and crying and my brother feels at this point he feels awful. And he says to my mom, he says, hey, mom, like, listen, um, if it's the cost of the glasses, I'll sit in the front of the classroom. I, I can really go without this. I can live without glasses. Just, I, I feel really bad. Sorry, mom. I just, I, I can live without it. I don't need you to spend the money. Because he thought she was crying because of the cost. My mom says, no, it's, it's not the cost. I would pay anything for you. She said, I just wish. I wish I could give my life, my, my eyes to you. I wish we could trade eyes, and I would do it in a heartbeat. See, the story of Christianity is that we receive infinite hope, infinite power, infinite love because Jesus would trade his life for ours. That we could receive the Spirit because Jesus gave up his. If there's anyone in this room who doubts the love of God on your life, 
Some of you, you've been struggling through addictions. Some of you, your families are struggling through addictions. Some of you are going through difficult times and you're wondering, you're doubting, you're wondering, does God truly love me? Is God truly for me? The God of the universe says, I'll trade my life for yours. I'm gonna give my spirit away so that you can receive it, so that you can receive a brand new hope, so that even though you might feel like you're at the end of the rope, there's a God who says the same spirit that created the universe, the same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the grave is the same spirit that lives inside of you. You see, now here's what it takes. Go to the next side. It takes simply believing and receiving it to actually believe it and to receive it. It's not something where I generate it from myself and say, look at how good I am. Look at how I can beat this thing. No, no, no. We simply believe and we receive we believe and receive, and we say, God, I accept this love, and I accept this hope, and I accept this power that comes from knowing that the Holy Spirit lives in me. And, can, and because of that, I can do anything. There is an, anything that's impossible. I know that there's a God who is greater still. Now, there is this passage, though, where the Spirit does come into people in the Old Testament. And it's a passage that you've looked at before, probably over the last few weeks, about the Holy Ghost. See, there's this passage in the book of Ezekiel where Ezekiel the prophet is led out to this valley of dry bones. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make, what's that word? I will make breath or I will make spirit come into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put, there's that word again, I will put breath or spirit or ruach into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. As I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. But check out what happens. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, spirit. Come, spirit, from the four winds and breathe into the slain and make them live. So I prophesied as he commanded to me, and breath and spirit entered into them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Oh, yeah, isn't this good? How many of you are feeling like dry bones in an area of your life today? You feel like you're just a valley of dry bones, and there is this spirit that we can call out to and say, spirit, come and fill me and bring these bones to life. I need a fresh word of faith. I need a fresh word of hope. Same spirit created the entire universe. Same spirit that would come upon specific people same spirit that exists today and is available today and is present today because Jesus gave up his so that your valley of dry bones can come to life. Amen. I'm going to invite you, if you could all stand with me, and we're going to, I'm just going to invite the worship team to come forward as well. Some of us in this room, we, we are 
feel like a valley of dry bones. You feel like a valley of dry bones. Some of you, when it comes to parenting, you feel like a valley of dry bones. When it comes to suffering family members, you feel like a valley of dry bones. Some of you, when it comes to your own battles with addiction, see, the heart of the Christian message is that there's a God who can fill us with a boldness and a humility as well. Some of you, there's a valley of dry bones when it comes to your financial situation, your job situation. And today, today, let's prophesy to these dry bones. Spirit of the living God, come and fill us anew. We believe that your spirit is available to all of us. Grant us boldness and courage. Grant us a supernatural ability to believe in you and to receive you, to trust you with all of our lives, to say, God, we believe and we receive. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Come and fill us. Make these dry bones live, God.